fear can be very destructive so that a person's ability to deal with crisis situations is hampered and he is unable to make or execute wise decisions. But there is also a good kind of fear that is absolutely necessary for a person to have if he is going to have final success. What kind of fear is this? Stay tuned. We'll see. Welcome to Steps to Life with Dr. John Grossbaum. Sabbath rest is a promise between God and His children. Bible prophecy tells us that we are living in the last days of this earth's history before Jesus' second coming. Today's program will help you prepare for these coming events. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. Before we look at the subject of fear, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to help us understand what we're going to read from His holy book. Father in heaven, we thank You for the Bible. We thank You for Bible prophecy that points out to us what is going to happen in the future and how to get ready for it. And we thank You for the gospel. And we pray that as we study also from Bible history that you will teach us the truth that we may have the right kind of fear and that we may not be paralyzed by the wrong kind of fear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to today's program. Numerous surveys and questionnaires have confirmed that the most popular form of modern skepticism is to deny the creation story. Today's free book is entitled, Why God Said to Remember. To receive your free copy, simply call 1-800-THE-TRUTH and ask for offer PRV3. It is interesting that God anticipated this controversy over the Genesis record of creation. Call now to receive your free book. And now, Pastor John Grosball. As soon as man sinned, he began to be afraid. In fact, in the very first sentence, the very first thing that Adam said to God after he sinned, you find it in Genesis 3, he said, I was afraid. And so fear has been a dominant force in man's existence ever since that time. And when the Lord came to people over and over again, He had to allay their fears. And He told them they did not need to be afraid because He was with them. For example, in Isaiah, the 41st chapter, this is what the prophet wrote, the word of the Lord. It says, Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is true in both Old and New Testament times when Jesus came. Over and over again when he appeared to his disciples, they were terrified. And he said, you don't need to be afraid, it's I myself, so you can be of good courage, you can be of good cheer, you don't need to be afraid. So the Lord comforts men from their fears and tells us that we do not need to fear if we are following Him, if He is with us. However, there is a good kind of fear, and Solomon talks about this in the third chapter of the Proverbs. He says in Proverbs 3, verses 7 and 8, Do not be wise in your own eyes, 
fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What kind of fear is this? What is the fear of the Lord? Now, this is not just true 3,000 years ago when Solomon wrote this, but in the book of Revelation, when the angels of God are addressing the peoples of this world, notice what they say about this subject. This, there are three angels' messages in Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12, and notice what the first angel says. This is Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth a sea and springs of water. What does it mean to fear God? We see today, this is true for people of all ages, but especially young people, Satan seeks to entice the youth into the path of destruction. If he can once get their feet going on the downward way, he hurries them on on their downward course leading them from one dissipation to another until the victims lose the tenderness of conscience and they do not have any more the fear of God before their eyes and they exercise less and less self-restraint and they become addicted. Now, do you know what it means to become addicted to anything? To become addicted means that something has such a strong hold on you that you can't quit it. You, In other words, you are in bondage. You are in slavery to whatever it is that you are addicted to. What do we find people becoming addicted to today? Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. But we find today that people, many people are not free at all. They are addicted. They are held in bondage to various habits. There are people that are addicted to wine. There are people that are addicted to alcohol. There are people that are addicted to tobacco. There are people that are addicted to opium, to marijuana, to various, th to various drugs. They go from one stage of an addiction to another. Sometimes they make some type of an attempt to get free, but they cannot because they're held in slavery to this habit. They are slaves to appetite. And they may put on swaggering airs. They may boast of liberty and that they can do whatever they please. But the fact of the matter is, they're in slavery. And the Apostle Peter talks about this. People who think they're free when they're not. Notice what he says in Second Peter 2, starting with the 17th verse, he says, These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, of, to whom the gloom of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, 
through licentiousness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. So, they promise liberty, but they themselves who are promising liberty are slaves of corruption. We see this development not just in today, but we see it all the way back in the history of the world and especially in ancient times, in the times of Noah. The times of Noah prefigured what it would be like in the world just before the end of the world. Jesus said so. You can read it in Matthew 24. That in the days when the Son of Man would be revealed, it would be like it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? Well, God gave Noah a message. You can read it in Genesis, the sixth chapter. God said, My spirit is not going to always strive with men, but his days will be 120 years. And Noah was sent with a message to the people of that generation. And he said, In 120 years, a flood is going to come, and it's going to envelop the whole world. It's going to destroy the whole world. And I am going to build a boat, an ark, and the people that will get into the ark will be saved from the flood that is coming. Now, when Noah first began talking about this, there were people that listened and were concerned by the prophecy that he gave them. In fact, there were some people who trembled with fear and said, said well, we will get on the ark. But as time went on, and they couldn't see any change in nature. They reasoned, as many people reason now, that nature is above the God of nature. And they decided that since nature has not been turned out of its course at all, they decided that Noah was deluded. They thought it was a grand deception, that he was just a fanatic, that he was out of his mind. And they manifested their indifference and contempt for the solemn warning of God that was given through Noah by doing just as they had done before. Instead of trying to overcome their addictions, their evil habits, they went deeper into what they called their pleasures, their gluttonous feasts, eating, drinking, planting, building. They went to even greater lengths in wickedness than they had gone before. They were defiantly disregardful of God's requirements. Now, my friend, the flood could have been avoided. If people would have listened, if they would have repented, there is another occasion on record in the Bible. You can find it in the book of Jonah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh with a message that in 40 days the city was going to be overthrown. But the people repented. And because they repented, the judgment was averted. The same thing could have happened in Noah's day. But the people in Noah's day didn't listen. They said they had no fear that the Almighty would do anything like that. They weren't afraid of the Word of God. When God said something, they were not afraid to disobey. They had no fear of God. 
the result was they were all drowned. The whole world was destroyed, as you can read in Genesis 7 and 8. And Jesus refers to it. And the Apostle Peter refers to it also in 2 Peter 3. The Bible says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Oh, friend, do you fear God? You know what it means to fear God. To fear God means that you're afraid to disobey Him. Notice how the wise man defined the fear of the Lord in another place in Proverbs. In Proverbs, the 8th chapter and the 13th verse, he says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Do you hate evil? Have you decided to turn away from it? And have you decided in every detail in your life to do what is right? To do what you understand is right. If you haven't made that decision, friend, then according to the Bible, you don't have the fear of God. If you don't have the fear of God, how can you be ready for the end of the world? And remember, when God sends a message in the time of the end, the very first angel's message says, when he opens it up by saying, fear God and give glory to Him. We are living in a time when many people have no fear of God anymore. They are not afraid to disobey Him. They are not afraid to contradict Him. They are not afraid to do whatever they please, even though it's directly contrary to what He's instructed in His Word. So, they have no fear of God. How is it with you? Do you fear God? Notice what Job said about it. Job 28, Job 28 and verse 28, it says, To man, he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Do you fear God? Or do you get upset with him if you're in trouble and blame him for what is happening to you? How do you relate to the Lord as you're walking through this world? Who is dwelling in your heart? In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, that's opening the door to the heart. If any man will open the door, I will come in. Have you opened the door? Let me tell you why many people either will not open the door or they can't open the door and Jesus can't come in because of something else that's going on in their lives. Stay tuned. I'll tell you what that is. Sometimes studying the Bible on your own without any help or a guideline to follow can be a little difficult. And after confusion and frustration set in, we all too often turn to other things. If this sounds like you, you're not alone. The Steps to Life Bible Correspondence School is just the answer. Call 1-800-THE-TRUTH and ask for your free Bible Correspondence Starter Pack. I really enjoy being able to study at home. I'm a new Christian and I definitely knew I needed some guidance. 
Simply review each lesson and answer the questions. These studies were great. It just seemed like the Bible opened up for me. Then send the completed lesson back to us in the envelope provided. These studies were very professional. They didn't take a lot of time, and I really appreciated that. A Bible teacher will then look over each lesson and send them back to you with the next set of studies. It's that simple and totally free. Call Steps to Life Television at 1-800-THE-TRUTH. I'm so glad I called. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's the door of the human heart. The door where your affections and feelings are located. Where your emotions are located. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come in. What is it that keeps people from opening the door so that Jesus cannot come into their life. Well, Paul helps us to understand what it is. If you read in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and verse 21, this is what Paul says. He says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. What is Paul talking about here? Well, he's saying you can't have both. You cannot have both the Lord and the devil. You cannot have your heart's affections placed on the Lord and the devil both. You cannot have Jesus come into your heart if you have the devil in your heart because the Lord will not share space with the devil. Jesus said that the great commandment in the law, you can read it in Matthew 22, the great commandment in the law is the first commandment that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. If you're loving something in this world and not loving the Lord with all of your heart, well then you cannot have the Lord in your heart. Notice what John, the Apostle John said about this in 1 John 2 verses 15 and 16. He said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the Apostle James is just as explicit. Notice what he says about it in the fourth chapter of the book of James. He says in James 4, 4, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, you can't have both. You cannot have your affections centered on the things of this world and have your affections centered on God. The Apostle Paul talks about the very same thing. It's all through the New Testament. Notice what the Apostle Paul says about it in the book of Colossians, the third chapter. He says... If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You have one heart, one mind. You cannot serve God and be double-minded. James says that person is unstable in all his ways. Let him not think that he's going to receive anything from the Lord. 
Jesus will not share your heart with the devil. Who has your heart? In Proverbs 3, in verse 32, it says that the perverse person, that is the devious person, is an abomination to the Lord. Now, this is very serious because in Revelation 21, 27, it says that there shall by no means enter it, that is the new Jerusalem or heaven, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, a perverse person, a devious person, a person that's deceptive will not have any part in the kingdom of God or in the future life. He goes on to say in verse 33, Proverbs 3, that the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked. Somebody might ask, what is this talking about? What is wickedness? We are living in such a deluded age that many people don't know the difference anymore between righteousness and wickedness. People don't know the difference between sin and holiness. And so it has to be explained. The reason it has to be explained, perhaps, is because spiritually our world is asleep. The watchmen are asleep. Instead of warning the people of the wrath of God that is coming upon this world that is described very clearly in the book of Revelation. People are crying peace and safety. Don't worry. But we need to be studying the Bible. We need to be studying the scriptures to find out what does all of this wickedness mean that is swelling to such fearful proportions all over the world. Some people say to the wicked who are trampling on the law of God that well, it will be well with you. And the Bible describes the situation that we're in today. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the wise man says in Ecclesiastes, the 8th chapter, Ecclesiastes, the 8th chapter, and verse 11. He says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore... The heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In place of being softened by the long-suffering of God and His long patience, people have been encouraged by His forbearance since He has not brought any awful thing upon them. They flatter themselves that they can go on in their sinful way and that since His wrath has not yet awakened against them, that they can go on longer, and they can ambitiously and persistently follow their own way with nothing to molest them, and thinking in their minds, knowing that they're doing evil, they think, well, I will repent someday. Deciding to repent someday is a very, very dangerous decision to make. There are records in the Bible of people that decided that they would repent someday, but they never got around to it. In Acts, the 24th chapter, and the 25th verse, we have the record of when 
the Apostle Paul spoke the gospel to a Roman governor, a heathen governor by the name of Felix. And Paul, it says that as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. That convenient time never came. You will not meet Felix in the kingdom of heaven. He was waiting for a convenient time to become a Christian. The convenient time never came. Same thing happened to a king, King Agrippa. You find the story in Acts 26, and it says that King Agrippa says to, says to Paul, he says, Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. And that's Acts 26, 28. Paul says, I would to God that not only you but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Oh, friend, Agrippa never made it. You'll never meet him in the kingdom of heaven either. He was going to become a Christian. He was going to decide to forsake his sins and follow the Lord, but he never got around to it. That's why the Bible says, Today is the day of salvation. You don't know if you have another chance. You don't know if you have another year, another month, another day, another week. You don't know how long your life is going to last. You don't know how much time you have. And so if you want to be saved, the time to make the decision to be saved is now. In Ecclesiastes 8, 12, and 13, this is the way the wise men addresses this situation of people that are going on in wickedness. Ecclesiastes 8, 12, and 13. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he does not fear before God. How is it with you, friend? Do you have the fear of God before you when you make decisions day by day as you're living your life day by day? Are you taking into account what does God think of what I'm saying or doing or the kind of life I'm living? Is my life in harmony with His Word, with His law, with His book? Or am I just going my own way, thinking that at some future time I will repent? What is wickedness? Very simply, friend, wickedness is disobedience to God's law. That's the way it is described in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18. Notice what it says in Ezekiel 18 and verse 20. It says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The soul that sins, it will die. Wickedness is sin. And what is sin? Well, that's not complicated. 
The Bible says in 1 John 3, 4 that sin is the transgression of God's law. That's what wickedness is. Wickedness is disobeying God's law. Righteousness is obeying God's law. How is it in your life today? Do you fear the Lord? Do you fear Him enough to be afraid to disobey Him? Have you chosen to follow Him and obey Him? Or, don't, or have you decided you don't have any fear of God? You'll just do whatever you want. Your decision will determine your destiny. We hope you've been blessed from today's program. Today's free book is entitled, Why God Said to Remember. To receive your free copy, simply call 1-800-THE-TRUTH. What did he do that would constantly point mankind back to the focal week of creation? God needed to do something unusual, something special to preserve the knowledge of his mighty act of creation. There would be doubters and disbelievers of such an account, and even those who read about it and believed it would soon forget about it. What did he do? Today's free book is entitled, Why God Said to Remember. To receive your free copy, simply call 1-800-THE-TRUTH. That's 1-800-843-8788 and ask for offer PRV3. Call now to receive your free book. We hope that this sermon has been a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Steps to Life, P.O. Box 782-828, Wichita, Kansas 67278. You may call us at 1-800-THE-TRUTH. That's 1-800-843-8788. Our email address is historic at stepstolife.org. And our web address is www.stepstolife.org. May God be with you as you seek to walk the narrow way.